Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. We are back and today I am joined once again by Her Football Hub's Drew Diamond. How's things, Drew? Not too bad, thank you for having me. How are you? All good, thank you. Not too bad. Still a bit cold in Berlin. As people that listen to this podcast a lot, I don't like cold weather, as everyone knows. So, But we move. It's not too bad. Um, and of course, we are joined once again by Megan Hughes. How are things, Megan? Everything's going great, thanks. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, and also later in the show, I will be joined by Fiorentina and Ireland centre-back Louise Quint, talking all about her career and all that good stuff. Um, but let's crack on for now. Um First up, and there was a big game in Spain. Now, last week on the podcast, we had Alejandro on and he was talking a lot about um, Real Madrid and all the stuff that's been going on. But we're going to talk about them again because it has been a busy few weeks in the league. Um, Real Madrid, of course, got that victory over Atletico Madrid. Um, They then came up against a very strong Levante side and sadly couldn't get the win. But it is still all to play for in this league. It's very excited, I must say. Megan, what did you make of the game? It was a great one for the neutrals, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, second coming up against third, it was always bound to bring fireworks, wasn't it? Um, I'm sure both teams will have Champions League qualifications firmly in that site, in their sights. So that must have added uh, an extra dimension of excitement to the fixture. Um, on the whole, I thought it was fairly evenly matched throughout the game until, of course, Levante scored that crucial winner in extra time. Um, and I think that's a testament, really, to Levante's work and the progress they've made throughout the season so far. Um, of course, Real Madrid will be gutted to lose out on a point due to such fine margins right at the end of the match. But, you know, they have to turn their focus to their upcoming games. They've got some important matches coming up, so they have to focus on that instead now. 100%, they definitely do. Um, now, Drew, was the loss against Levante, was it a reminder for Real Madrid that whilst they have come such a long way since their arrival in the league... They're not still quite there with regards to competing with the likes of Levante. Or do you think that because it was quite close in that Levante got that winning goal in the 93rd minute, I think it was, does that indicate that Real are maybe actually getting closer to their rivals? So it's more of a positive, even though it was a loss, if that makes sense. Um, from my perspective, I think I think Madrid have still got a way to go. Um, they've got some fantastic squad players, um, Aslani, Jakobsen, uh, even players like Olga, um, but Levante have just got that that more depth. I mean, they brought Redondo on, but I think it was midway through the second half, and she, and she was the one that finished them off. Um, they're getting there. They, they've, there's obviously a massive project um, at the club, but there's still definitely work to be done. Um, I think there's some additions to be made, and Levante are now sitting more comfortably in second with, um, I think it's a four-point cushion now and a greater goal difference as well, so there's definitely a gap there um but yeah more work to be done I think but as you said it is in some ways a positive it's just hard to see it that way right now yeah definitely I'm sure once the dust has settled um for Real Madrid uh they'll realize that despite it being a loss um you know still they've still done very very well this season um on the whole now regarding Levante's season Megan do you think that they have done well to really stand their ground this season especially with so much competition, um, not only from Real Madrid, but also I know that Atletico have slipped a little bit, but they've always been in competition with them. Um, now they're seemingly doing better than them. So do you think they've done well this season? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, they've been really impressive, even more so, like you've just said, with Real Madrid and the continued like powerhouse presence of Barcelona, Atletico, um, particularly due to the financial resources I think Real Madrid have at their disposal. You know, it's allowed them to secure the likes of a Swedish Duas Lani and Jakobsen, like Drews just said. Um, I think they've had a huge battle on their hands to remain in this top top position in La Liga. Um, but I mean, look at the table, as the table proves, they've they've executed their game plan perfectly this season. And, you know, they've they've really been challenging for that top spot. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, like I've just said, you know, Levante finished third last season. They look pretty set to claim second this season. So, you know, that in itself is a massive achievement. Um, I mean... I, you kind of almost don't talk about Barcelona because they are just on that other level. Um, but Drew, what improvements do you think they should be making this summer to ensure that they can keep up with Barcelona a little bit more and maybe even be competing with them a bit more? Do you know what? I think I think they already have a good model in place. Um, there's not that much work to be done. Um, you can see from their style, uh, they've got players like... Caligaris and Teleti that are, are really elite level players, internationals, and they just need to keep hold of those those kind of players and keep them happy and keep them at the club. And then, you know, a few shrewd signings in the summer and it, it could be a whole different conversation between this this gap with Barcelona. But the what they've done so far and how they've dealt with the project is is working. I, I agree to be honest. Um and I think yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd agree. Um, but um, now, obviously, one player, Esther Gonzalez, massive, massive name. Um, there have been rumours about Real Madrid before wanting her. Megan, could you see this move happening as much as Levante are such a powerhouse in um, in the league? Is there a little bit of maybe, I don't know, a bit of a draw of it being Real Madrid? Do you think that it could maybe happen? I mean, of course, she's such a powerhouse in La Liga. Uh, she's been at Levante for the past two seasons now. And I mean, looking at this season alone, she's been having a really impressive one with the side, scoring 21 goals. So, of course, I mean, I imagine she'll be wanting to add to this tally, push the team onto bigger and better targets, one of which I'm sure will be a Champions League spot. So... I'd assume for now she'll be content to stay at Levante, but that's not to say she couldn't be lured by Real Madrid. As you say, such a big team, big club, uh, playing for the badge must be such an honour. Big financial resources as well behind it, which I'm sure is another thing that can lure her. But I mean, you know, they go from strength to strength considering they're such a new team. So I'm sure there's an attraction there, but I'd assume for now she's happy at Levante. Yeah, I... um. As much as I've always enjoyed watching Real Madrid um, and as much as it would be great to see them, you know, get another player, especially a player like Gonzalez. But I also, I don't know, I always feel like with Real Madrid, I'm always wary that they're just going to try and do a bit of a, I think Alejandro, I think he mentioned this on a podcast, like the Galacticas, like are they going to try and just maybe, I don't know, like poach all the best players. And so sometimes I like it when, you look at a player and you think, you know what, I think they're going to stay with the team that they're at. I think maybe in a season or two, if Real Madrid are competing even more with them, maybe things could change. But I guess if it's not broke, why fix it? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one thing that definitely isn't broke is Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> they have now scored a staggering 99 goals this season. <laughs> like, 
I'm just reading this, I'm like, what is going on? This is just crazy. Um, the highest amount of goals across both men's and women's top five leagues, with only three conceded. This is just a little bit insane for me. Um, but yeah, Barcelona are absolutely flying. Drew, what do you think their chances are in the Champions League? Um, obviously, they've drawn Manchester City. Not going to lie, I wouldn't mind uh, seeing Barcelona beat them, I'll be honest. Uh, but um, I, I, we were talking about it on another podcast about um, Champions League and who could win it, who couldn't. And I feel like Barcelona have gone not under the radar, but people have kind of almost forgotten about them because people are so focused on Lyon and Wolfsburg and maybe um, PSG as well, etc. So what do you think? Do you think they've got a good chance? I do think they have a good chance. And it's an interesting point you make there, isn't it? Because unlike some of the other clubs in the Champions League, they don't quite have the heritage linked with the competition. Um, and it's the same situation for Manchester City. So it's a really interesting tie between the two teams. Both of them are quite capable of going on and becoming European powerhouses. Um, you know, if they'd if they both have the teams they have now five years ago, they would have dominated like Leon. Um, but it's a whole different landscape in women's football now. I think I don't think they'll go on and win it. That, that's my honest opinion. But I'd also say the, say the same about Manchester City. Um, it will definitely be an interesting match. There will definitely be plenty of goals. So if I was a neutral fan, which I am. I'd tune in because it, it's going to be one of the best matches of the round. Definitely. I mean, by the time this podcast has gone out, I think they will have played. Um, but definitely, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, but it is such an exciting game. Um, and I think it will really be a good test for both teams, I guess, to see just how strong they are on this massive, you know, European platform. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, and from Angelina, the Manchester United fan, good luck to Barcelona. <laughs> um, speaking of them, next up, the Women's Super League. There was a big game against Arsenal and Manchester United, which ended in victory for the London team. Um, it's a shame that J.R. Lewis isn't here to talk um, about this game, hence why I didn't invite them, because <laughs> I didn't want to hear what they had to say, to be honest. Um, just kidding, of course. Um Megan, what did you make of the game and what did you make of Wubben Moy? I mean, where do you start? The game had absolutely everything. Goals, yellow cards, red cards, the contentious refereeing decisions, anger between players on the pitch. I mean, for the neutral, it was a fantastic watch. I can't imagine the fans watching could say the same. Yeah. But no, it was, an, it was a great match to watch. There was so much grit, so much passion on show. And that's exactly what you want to see from your players and your team. You want to see them fighting for every single ball, every single challenge, every decision, you know. Um, you know, of course, like you said, the, the standout was Lotta Wubben Moy, scoring the winning goal, of course. She was absolutely class. Um, she commanded that back line really well, especially considering the fact that Williamson wasn't there. Um, so that makes it even more impressive. And you can tell she's Arsenal through and through. I think this is especially uh, proved by her reaction to the goal. I've never yeah. seen a reaction quite as excited like that. Um, but no, she's improving every time I watch her and she's just such an exciting talent. And I think even more so with the Olympics on the horizon, it'll be really interesting to see how she progresses from game to game for the remaining games of the season. Most definitely. She's certainly a very um, exciting player in, in the league. Um, now, Beth Mead got a red card. Um 
Is this a testament maybe to Arsenal that they managed to carry on for an extra half hour with 10 women and they managed to keep Manchester United quiet? Do you think that's a testament to them or were just Manchester United maybe not good enough? <laughs> you know what? I think it is. Um, there definitely should have been more cards in that game, possibly both teams on, on 10 women by the end. Yeah. But I think, as Meg mentioned, they were without Williamson and she's a leader in that team and they looked so regimented in spite of that. Um, obviously, Wubba Moy was a massive part of that. She had one of the best games I've seen a young player have in the last few years. But Arsenal looked calm and they looked like they had a plan and they were sticking to it no matter what happened. Um, and that's testament to Joe and Joe might even be able to, you know, start redeeming himself with larger segments of the supporters now because he's had, um, you know, a bit of a rocky time of it at the minute. But that match was definitely an all or nothing for their season. You know, if they'd lost it, they've probably said goodbye to Champions League. The fact that they've won means that's still open for them. And, you know, anything could happen now for the rest of this season. And so, yeah, full credit to Arsenal and Joe. They tactically won that game um, and it didn't look like anything could stop them winning. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that one. Um, now, Casey Throne has described the refereeing as atrocious in the game. Um, as you touched on there, Drew, you know, there could have been a, a couple of red cards, shall we say. Um, now, Megan, can Stoney put the blame on the referee for this one um, completely? Or do you think she's got to take a little bit of responsibility as well in that she was tactically beaten United were just not good enough or is she just doing the typical thing Man United managers do that seems to be uh, across men and women's football just come out and have a go at the referee what do you make of it well I mean I think it goes without saying uh the referee was a, a massive talking point for the game um ultimately at the end of the day it is the referee's responsibility to take, take a hold and take control of the game uh, something which obviously was lacking. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of nasty looking challenges that often went unpunished. And I think this fired up the players even more, which isn't necessarily always a good thing. Mm. Um, I think Stoney's well within her right to call out the refereeing, but it goes without saying that the buck also has to lie with her. Um, I feel like, like Drew said, tactically, Arsenal just played uh, Man United off the pitch. You know, it's up to Stoney to pick a start in 11 that she can expect uh, to bring all three points away from the game. So if the players go out onto the pitch and don't do that, then ultimately some of the responsibility has to lie with her, not just with the refereeing. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I would have to agree with that one because as we all saw, it, it wasn't great. But at the same time, yeah, I guess she was within her rights, I would agree. But she's also got to uh, take a little bit of that one that it just wasn't good enough. Um, yeah. Now refereeing in the women's game has come under a lot of scrutiny um there were no plans to introduce full-time referees for another three years possibly um I don't know if it was last time you were on the podcast Drew, that we talked about this when we were talking about the FA and things like that but do you think that situations like this like this game make it more obvious that there needs to be something done regarding this situation <coughs> sorry I held that in it's all right thank you <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah, we spoke about it last time and I think this is one of the situations where the FA really have to revise um, their decision making on this. Um, in three years, it's not going to be three normal seasons. The money coming into the women's game now, the advancements year on year in the women's game, especially WSL level, are gigantic. They're not normal seasons and the progress isn't at a normal level. It's 
it's fast paced and it it's going in the right direction and if if we underutilize and underinvest in something as important as officiating it's only going to become a talking point more often you you can't have a professional sport and not match the facilities and the support staff to that level i've spoke to countless managers over the last few years where i've been to a game and something's gone wrong and it's the first thing the manager wants to speak to us about after the game and it that's not what we should be talking about it's happened with the men's game and it it's toxic at the minute the officiating there but that's in regards to the var and the way that system's working but it's the same in the women's game as in they've rushed through oh we'll have this level of refereeing and officiating but they're not backing it how can they not say there'll be professional official uh, professional officials in the women's game for the next three years it just won't work and they're letting the officials down themselves they all that's going to happen is that leaving them open for repeated criticism and it it is a failure if we wait the three years. I agree. And I just think like, how can you just suddenly wake up one day and be like, yep, it's going to be three years. Not even like, this is like a work in progress. We're going to be <laughs> reviewing it in a few months. Like, no, three years, done, end of. It just doesn't make sense. And I think as well, we're going to talk about it. But, you know, this massive television deal that has, has come through for the Women's Super League, like this just like you say, is I mean, it leaves these officials open to scrutiny, like you've said, but I think especially when the football is going to be arguably on a bigger platform because it's going to be accessible to more people, we're hopefully going to get more fans watching, there's going to be even more scrutiny, whether it's like through social media, people talking or all kinds of things. And I just think it is really a dodgy one because it's just this could go... It could end up going very wrong. And I think if they don't reassess the situation and, you know, get rid of this like three year thing that they've got in their heads, then, you know, hopefully they will. But I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But um, but yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, but obviously great for Arsenal. And what this did mean is that they have closed the gap significantly and they have a game in hand. Didn't quite realise that until I actually looked at the table after the game and my heart sank. Um, so, <laughs> you know, if Arsenal, say that Manchester United managed to dig the claws into this third spot and hang on for dear life, if Arsenal don't finish in third, is it still a successful season for them, Megan? I think... When you're looking at a team with Arsenal's quality, Arsenal's standards, Arsenal's players, I imagine they themselves wouldn't see the season as successful. I mean, it's pretty certain they're out of running for their league title this season. So I'm sure that means now all their efforts will be turned to gaining that you know coveted Champions League qualification spot. Um, so from now on, they really need to focus on each game and treating each remaining game like it's their own personal cup final. Because I know as a neutral, it would be it would certainly be surprising to see a team like Arsenal and a team of their dominance out of the top three at the end of the season. It would. I mean, it would be quite shocking. And I, I guess it's, I don't know, maybe symbolises even more, you know, the changes that are going on in the league in that, you know, you've got, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to with you know, like you think about Arsenal and they are just so synonymous with women's football in England. And to see them dropping down a little bit and other clubs kind of surging up, I guess for just football fans it's great because it just means that more clubs are going to be in the mix and it's going to be more competitive. But um I think it, it will be 
me as a neutral, it, it would be a shame if they didn't get into the Champions League. Angelina as the United fan would be very happy. Um, mm-hmm. So Christian Press returned for United, um, which will be big for them. But Drew, do you think that things have recently... I'd probably say since we started this podcast, so I don't know if it's bad luck or what, but things haven't been perfect for Manchester United recently. Um, They've lost some big games, um, let's be honest. Do you think it's been a combination of maybe a bit of bad luck, injuries, maybe just psychologically, these losses have just been getting the better of them? Do you think it's maybe something managerial? Um, What do you think is going on i hear quite a lot that it could be something psychological or something like that but i don't think mentality is something united have to worry about Mm. there's an there's an excuse i see on social media a lot or maybe not an excuse a reason i see a lot of fans band around about united that they're still an inexperienced club and it's a learning process and it's a it's a project club and they're they're still to their five-year plan but i don't i don't think that can be used anymore they have World Cup winners, some of the world's very best. Jackie Gronin in his centre, who's in mm-hmm. the World Cup final. These are some of the world's best, most wanted, most experienced players. I, I think it's injuries that have been the problem. I do think that if they'd stayed fit, the, the key players like Heath and, and Lauren James, who's, seen, who's been in and out of fitness all season, I think if key players like that had just stayed fit this season, I think it would be the end of Arsenal. I don't think they'd be in the top three conversation anymore at all. Um, so, yeah, it just comes down to bad luck. Maybe, maybe you have jinxed them on the podcast. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I, I really hope not. Like, if, if anyone to do with Manchester United is listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I me thinking about it, I would probably go more towards, I think, the injuries and the timing of the injuries. Um, but I would also agree with you in that I think us United fans, we can always fall back on the, oh, you know, it's, you know, little by little, we're a project club. No, you know, when you're right there, what you say, look at those players in that team. Like, you better be where you are. You know, if if they were towards the bottom of the table, you'd be looking at those players sideways like, why did we sign you? Like, what are you bringing to the table? Do you know what I mean? And I just think, um, I think, yeah, considering how well they have done in such a short space of time. Um, I don't really know if you can use it as an excuse. I mean, I guess you can't even say that they're inexperienced because when you're looking at the players themselves, the players aren't inexperienced. The club may be inexperienced in, you know, they've only been in this game, um, you know, for, for not too long now. But these players, you know, they... I think if they were doing worse, they would have a lot to answer for. And I think if something happens and Manchester United don't get that third spot, I think that fans, not saying fans are going to turn or anything, but I think that fans will will be looking at a few players and thinking, we've brought you in because you have achieved A, B, C and D. What's going on maybe? But um, but yeah, I mean, but that won't happen because we're going to get that third spot. So I don't even know why I'm talking like that. So it's fine. Um <laughs> Now, both teams face Brighton and Everton, who who could both cause problems, especially when you look at where they are in the league. Um, is this just a case now, Megan, for both of these teams in that they've had their meeting together, well, meeting game, <laughs> and Arsenal have won. You can't change that. Is it just a case now that these teams have got to stay in their own lane, 
do the best that they can do, focus on themselves and, on themselves and just ensure that they don't slip up. Yeah, I mean, each team's focus now will be solely centred around making sure they grind out the necessary performances to solidify the spots that they're going for. Um, I think each club has a lot riding on these last final few games of the season, so it'll be really interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, but, you know, I don't think we should rule out Brighton. Let's remember they're on a four-game unbeaten streak. Hope Powell has just one manager of the month. So I think it'd be pretty naive to discount them. And, you know, normally, potentially a few seasons ago, Brighton may be seen as a team where the teams such as the Man Uniteds and the Arsenals could go and pretty easily secure those three points. But now that's just not the case. And I think that's a really big testament to how competitive uh, the WSL is now. I don't really think there's any teams left where another team can turn up and think, yeah, this is the guaranteed three points. Each team now, you know, they they really bring the fight. So it should be a really interesting final few games for Arsenal and Man United. Of course, very important if they want to end up in the top three. Most definitely. Um, and I, I mentioned it before, uh, we'll talk about it now. Um, of course, there has been news of a historic broadcast rights deal which means that from next season, the Women's Super League games will be shown live across the BBC and Sky in a landmark three-year deal that's allegedly worth around £24 million. Um, But to both of you, really, um, how important is this deal? Because I've seen a lot of people, obviously, overjoyed at this and the fact that you know, the BBC and Sky will be showing the games. Few people still may be talking about, um, you know, like kickoff times, maybe they should be changed and stuff like that. But nevertheless, yeah, to, to both of you really, like how important is this deal? This is massively important. I will go as far to say as this is the biggest watershed moment in the sport since the FA lifted the ban on women's football. Yeah. The... No longer can clubs use the excuse that they're underfunded when it comes to facilities, wages, player welfare. The money is there now. The players and the clubs have earned it and it's going to be invested. Let's invest in that player welfare and the facilities. Grow the game from the inside out with this money. It's incredible news. And in regards to the feedback of, okay, the kickoff times are non-user friendly and it's going to affect the people that go the game. Okay, it will. That, That Saturday kickoff time is poor. Okay, no one's going to go a game at midday or whatever on on a Saturday. It's just not not viable. But what will happen is there will be a new audience. People are talking about like, oh, well, no one's going to subscribe to Sky just to get women's football or anything like that. Well, millions of people already subscribe to Sky exactly. and it will be provided to them already. And so they mm. will sit down and just watch football. I have countless friends that have Sky Sports and I know they like football. And if it's on and Man City United is on the telly, they're not going to not turn it on. Even teams like West Ham, if they have a relegation battle against like Bristol or something next season, people are going to turn that on because it's going to be an even game, it's going to be exciting football, and it's going to be provided to them on their Sky subscription anyway. And that way, the game will grow. They will pick their favourite player, they will pick someone they don't rate, it will start debate, they will text their friends, oh, what do you think of this player? I thought she was crap last week. And it will grow, and there will be discussions... And suddenly we'll have a global sport that's watched by millions all over the world. And it's just made it all more accessible. And I think it's one of the best things to ever happen to the sport. I agree. What about you, Megan? Yeah, I mean, I think Drew's essentially hit the nail on the head Mm. there. For me, one thing that 
really struck me one thing that I always kind of stand by you can't be what you can't see mm. and finally we can now see them this deal has allowed girls boys men women I don't care who you are these players are now being seen on one of the top broadcasting channels in the globe this is absolutely huge and like Drew said, it doesn't matter whether you're male, female, whether you've watched women's football since the start of time or whether you've never watched a women's game in your life. If the match is on, people will turn it on and it will attract new fans. It will attract people that have never, you know, had the opportunity to watch women's football, who have never thought to tune into women's football. Now there is the option, there is that accessibility and it can only serve to grow the game more. And I think especially for young girls and boys, they will now begin to grow up seeing women on the TV playing football, seeing it on a respected channel such as Sky, and it can only serve to make waves in the women's game. And finally, people can be what they see because we're now seeing women's football consistently on the TV. Exactly. Yeah, that it, that's it's so so true that. And I also was thinking when you were you were both talking, then I think as well like you say, people will have Sky Sports on all day sometimes, on a Saturday mm-hmm. and a Sunday. Um, and I can't wait for the people that maybe will sit there and discredit women's football, that will be very negative about it and very sexist about it. When they're sat with Sky Sports on, you just know that a few of them will be like, Oh, what's this? Women's football. Oh, what's going on? But I think that their curiosity will get the better of them. And because most of these, in fact, all of these people, I would love to argue, that say these things haven't actually ever watched a game. Do you know what I mean? And I think that the curiosity will get the better of them. Let's see what all this rubbish is about. And they'll end up getting into it. I honestly feel like it will change a lot of people's perceptions. Um... These people will probably still, unfortunately, be, you know, maybe not the nicest people and sexist people. But if they're watching a game, I'm really, really intrigued to see if people's perceptions do change because they will sit and watch it. And like you say, they're just going to watch it as normal football. Maybe they might have their own, um, you know, stereotypical thoughts in their head, but they're going to sit and watch it. And like you say, if it's, you know, United against City they're going to be cheering United on. A good goal might get scored and they're like, wow, that was actually a good goal. And slowly but surely, I feel like these people that love to be so negative about the sport, maybe it will change a few people's perceptions. Um, And I can't wait to see it. When I'm saying I'll see it, mainly, you know, like distant relatives that you have on Facebook that really you just want to block and unfriend because they really do not post (laughs) things. They post things that really just should not be posted on Facebook. And you will, I do see every now and then, what's this women's football stuff about? I'm going to keep an eye on maybe one or two of these distant relatives and and see if they, uh, see if they're still being negative. But yeah, I, I agree with both of you. It's such a massive, massive moment in women's football. And I think, you know, we're going to look back on this and think this was the moment that just changed absolutely everything. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited for it. Um, our... You know what? I Sorry to interrupt. No, no. Just off that point. I don't ever want to see, ever, 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 on social media again, someone comment, no one watches women's football. Yes. <laughs> because now that argument is completely obsolete. 
Sky Sports want people to watch women's football. BBC Sport wants people to watch women's football. BT Sport these past few seasons have wanted people to watch women's football. It it now is that argument is blown out the water. It's a twenty four million pound deal, and you're telling me no one wants to watch it. I don't think they'd source that sort of money out of their own pocket if the demand and you know the excitement around women's football wasn't there. So. I think it's great. I can't wait to see all these trolls on Twitter silenced. This yep. is now another round of ammo that you could be like, well, really? Really? They don't watch it, do they? And then you just hit them with that the Sky Sports deal. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And you know what? I want to ring up BBC and Sky after the first few weeks and be like, <laughs> can you tell me like how many people were watching? And so we <laughs> yeah. can all just tweet it out and be like, yeah, no one watches it, do they? Well, how come X amount of people watch this game and that game and What's your excuse then? I like that. I love a bit of petty tweeting every time, every now and then. So I think I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely be uh, be doing that. <laughs> but but yeah, like you both say, you know, such a massive moment, and um, I don't, I don't really think any of these trolls will be listening to a women's football podcast. But if you know one of these trolls, make <laughs> sure that you tell them and make sure that you maybe poke a little bit of fun at them because they deserve it. Um, now, finally, we will head over to Germany. Um, over the weekend, it was the quarter finals of the Cup. Um, there were some very, very big games. Um, first up, Bayern Munich got a subdued 2-1 win over Hoffenheim. We're used to 13 nilers for Bayern Munich. I'd, it was quite a small win. I was a bit disappointed, to be honest. But it was a win, nonetheless, for Bayern Munich. Um, Megan, do you think this was just a case of them getting the job done, really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it would be fun if you could watch 13 nil every time, but that's just not the case. And oftentimes it's the games where teams walk in and think it will be a walkover where it's not. And I think this was one of those cases, you know, Bayern showed their professionalism at the end to grind out that result. You know, Leah Schuller on the double, um, really impressive uh, from her this season. But no, I think Bayern did what needs to be done. They got the job done and now they can uh, turn their sights to the next round and... Um, getting through to that in final. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, this is only Hoffenheim's second loss of 2021. Um, the other loss was against Wolfsburg. Um, so both Bayern and Wolfsburg, you know, above them in the league. Um, Drew, despite being knocked out of the cup, what do you make of their season? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've spoke about them before and I, I said then that I don't think they're ready to push Bayern and Wolfsburg and I stand by that. I think last time I used the phrase best of the rest uh, and that's exactly what they are and it's exactly how they're playing. If you said to them at the start of the season, um, you know, at the end of March, you'll be nine points off Wolfsburg. They've just snatched your hand off and I think I think they'll be happy with where they are. Um, but yeah, there definitely needs to be an extra level added to what they've got and what they can do and what they're capable of. Um I don't think that will happen this season, uh, potentially next, depending on how how much this Wolf, Wolfsburg decline actually is or whether this is just one season. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, speaking of Wolfsburg, it was a big win for them. Um, they beat Werder Bremen seven goals to nil. Um, it didn't seem like Werder Bremen had much to really offer in this game. Um, but for Wolfsburg, definitely an important win. Um, Megan, is this the kind of victory they needed before they face the mighty Chelsea this week, um, especially with such an array of goal scorers on the sheet. Yeah, I think this will do wonders for Wolfsburg's confidence going into this 
uh, fixture with Chelsea. I mean, you know, what's taken the headlines this week, it's Penilla Harder coming back up to face her old club. And I think Wolfsburg will have a real match on their hands. I, I see Chelsea really pushing to go all the way this season in the Champions League. So it's set to be such a close and exciting tie. Um, so absolutely, I think Wolfsburg can take the confidence from this game into Chelsea. Of course, it's not going to be quite a 7-0 walkover, you'd, no. you'd imagine. <laughs> but all the same, they're going to need to execute this game tactically perfectly if they can expect any sort of result against Chelsea. Most definitely. Um, and I, I'm very excited. Obviously, by the time everybody's listening to this, um, you know, they'll probably... Uh, the game will have probably already happened but um but yeah it's definitely going to be um an exciting game and you know Wolfsburg you know like you say Drew we've talked about Wolfsburg's decline before um and it'll be interesting to see what they bring to the Champions League because I guess they're they're not going to be winning the league they've accepted that obviously they're still in the cup um so yeah, I'm excited to see if they do manage to um to kind of rattle Chelsea a little bit. It'd be interesting to see. Um Wolfsburg will face Bayern in the semi-final. So they're in the cup. Don't know how long they'll be in it for. Um for Wolfsburg, depending what happens in the Champions League, this could be their only chance to win a trophy. Drew, how do you think this game will go? Do you think this one might be a 13 niller? Um I don't know. So my heart literally can't call it, but something's telling me Wolfsburg. I mean, they're the most decorated team in the competition. I think they've won it like seven times. Mm. Um, and Bayern's focus will be on the league, you know, to to be a, the champion of Germany for Bayern is what's been expected of them for a long time and it's not happened. So I think that will be their focus and that's what can, you know, lead Wolfsburg to this win. Um, and I'm personally, I'm not quite ready for their era of success just to be over just yet. Yeah, I think it it would be it would be really good to see um you know like a final push now towards the end of the season um and I guess depending what happens with Chelsea but this cup game against Bayern like if they're going to push and try and beat Bayern if they're going to push and try and have you know the best game that they can have that that's going to be it obviously depending with Chelsea but um Looking at the other fixtures, uh, Freiburg got through with a 6-3 win over Potsdam. Now, Potsdam are actually fourth in the league. Freiburg are in sixth. On the score sheet for Freiburg, there were quite a lot of players. Um, Megan, does this prove that this Freiburg team has potential in that they can score goals? You know, they were against a team that if you're going off the table, are better than them. But, you know, they've beaten them. They've scored the goals. They can put in these performances. They just are struggling to do it consistently, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. I think consistent consistency is key. You know the old, the old phrase, and it's it's very true though. I mean, Freiburg are what eight points behind Potsdam in the league. So I'm sure Potsdam walked into the fixture expecting that they would turn out result. But I think that's the beauty of the cup, isn't it? You know. Whichever country it is, whichever cup it is, there's always a bound to be an upset. Um, and I, you love to see it as a neutral. So, yeah, I think credit to Freiburg for knocking Potsdam out of the cup. But like you said, this is one instance where they've performed potentially better than what people expected of them. But now you have to bring that into the league as well. And when the consistency does start, that's when you will start seeing performances and then they can slowly creep up the league. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and and I'll be hoping to see see more of them, some better performances next season as well. Um, now Potsdam at first, I was thinking maybe they fielded a weaker team or something, but it didn't really seem to be the case. I mean, Drew, was this maybe just a case of a slip up in the cup? You know, as Megan said, the beauty of the cup, you know, anything can happen. Um, and do you think that they will be looking to right their wrongs in the meeting between these two teams this weekend in the league? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on. And if um, if Meg's bringing out the cliches, I'm going to take the opportunity <laughs> to join. Um, it, it is the beauty of cup football. Um, it's why we all love it. Um, and I think Potsdam, they, they will get their revenge. In the, in the last two games, well, their two league games anyway, they've scored nine goals. So... Maybe it was a case of overconfidence, but with the team they have, they, they should be getting the points for sure over Freiburg. And I think they'll be focused on that semi-final now and the, the players will be riled up for it. And I don't think anything will get in their way now. Yeah, definitely. Um, and meeting Freiburg in the semi-final will be Eintracht Frankfurt, who beat Andernach seven goals to one. Um, Andernach were the only second division side remaining. So, you know, they've they've done well to get so far in the competition without sounding patronising. Um, meanwhile, for Frankfurt, it's been a bit of a mixed bag this season, especially in the league. So, Megan, how important do you think this semi-final is for them? Yeah, I think this is a really great chance for Frankfurt to take something meaningful from the season. Um, they're currently placed seventh in the league and they're coming up against Freiburg in the semi-final and I think it's going to be a really exciting match because even though they're three points behind Freiburg, they have played two games less. So I think there is a window of opportunity for Frankfurt to take there to get to a final, which I think could be really great for them. It could make something of what has been a slightly disappointing season, you could say, for them. So I imagine they'll be going into the semi-final with a lot of hope and a lot of determination because it's a really great opportunity for them to come up against, you know, Bayern or Wolfsburg, two of the powerhouses of the league, and um, try do a cop upset and and uh, take the trophy. Yeah. Um, now, Freiburg are only three points above Frankfurt in the league. So, Drew, who do you see winning this game? And who will we see in the final of the competition? Megan, if you've got any predictions as well, feel free to send them our way. But yeah, what are you guys thinking? I think we'll see in the final Wolfsburg-Frankfurg. Okay. Wolfsburg for obvious reasons, but I think Frankfurt will be the dominant side in the other final. They've had more relaxed journey to the semis. I think they'll be fresh-faced. And when the two teams met back in last October, I think it was, they lost 1-0. So it's that revenge factor again. It, mm. It's so important in football and a manager can really use it to their advantage. And I think that will give them the edge. And I think it will be a Wolfsburg, um, another title in the bag for them um, in that cup. And yeah, like I said, I'm not ready for this era of Wolfsburg to be over yet. <laughs> I, I love these kind of dynasties in women's football. They're, they're so historic and I'm, I'm glad I've been a women's football fan long enough to have enjoyed them before before this upturn in, in teams investing and things like that. But yeah, it it's going to happen to all these big teams and Wolfsburg are the, are the first ones to kind of fall away in these European elite. But I think they'll win this cup. 
well, you've got me feeling like I really want to root for them now because I've got I've got like violins in my head, like or you know, like boys to men. Now we've come to the end of the road. Do you know what I mean? So, um, what about you, Megan? Would you agree with that for the final? I agree on the Frankfurt side of things. Um, I think, like Drew said, the underdog kind of mentality, getting that revenge, it's really it's a really big factor. Uh, in football and it could really drive the players to grind out that result against Freiburg but I would have to disagree on the Wolfsburg front I do see Bayern making the final Mm. I just think they have on the whole the stronger personnel they've had a stronger performance in the league which I think they can take into this game and yeah I do see them beating Wolfsburg so I'm saying a Bayern Frankfurt final okay well there, there you go. Those are the two predictions. <laughs> Whether they will happen or not, I'm sure that we will uh, we'll have another chat um, maybe after the semi-finals and see who exactly is going to be in this final. But I think the, you know, the conversation today, I think all we can take from it is that big things are happening all over. You know, it may be sad times for Wolfsburg, but um, Although it may not, because like you say, they could be winning the cup, so it's not all doom and gloom for them. But, you know, looking across Europe, I think it's safe to say that um, football, women's football, it's a very, very exciting time. There is a lot going on across all of the leagues. Obviously, massive news in the Women's Super League that we've all been celebrating. But yeah, it is a very good time to be a fan of women's football. So instead of a hot topic this week, I have got an interview with Fiorentina and Ireland player Louise Quinn. Thank you so much for joining me. First off, I know that you're in Florence. How, how is life in Italy? Yeah, life in Italy is, uh, is really, really nice at the moment. Um, you know, it is such a, a lovely country to be and, um, you know, it's obviously yeah, very different and, and difficult times but I suppose I get to kind of see Florence um yeah, I suppose really in its in its purity you know there's no there's no tourists around and it's and it's just the Italians so you really get to or you get to see each and every street and you know cycle around the Duomo without having to you know press the brakes and stuff like that so uh, yeah it's 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 a lovely place to be right now oh sounds amazing and I'm also jealous because I will admit um, and my mother normally tunes into this podcast, so she will be listening to this and she'll probably start laughing. I don't know how to ride a bike. Um, so oh, I am definitely jealous that you are cycling round because living in Berlin, I see so many people cycling and I've not managed to grasp it yet. I do blame my mother in my childhood, but... Um, yeah, I'm doubly jealous of that, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's surely a lockdown um, sort of hobby, no? I know, you would... I, I tried and I fell and I got a bit embarrassed <laughs> and I refused to look at a bike again for a while. So maybe I'll pick it up again. Um, lockdown seems to be going on, so maybe uh, maybe this lockdown I could have a go yeah. at it. Um, but, I mean, one question that I had is, how has it been physically? Because, you know, talking about the pandemic, you've gone from, you know, not playing football in England, being in lockdown, to suddenly being an, a, an important piece of this puzzle for Fiorentina, back to training and playing games. Was it a bit of a shock to the system, getting back to being, getting back to training and playing and things like that? Yeah, do you know, it, it was a, a really difficult one. I suppose during during lockdown, we were... 
you know, still quite lucky. We got given training programs, but obviously had minimal um, minimal equipment, just, you know, barely a few weights, um, thankfully. So at the time I was I was still with Arsenal um, and we were able to get a, you know, a, a spin bike as well. Um, but really just kind of like anyone else, you know, we just had to, you know, trying to get those five, five and 10K personal bests and, you know, a little bit of running in between. And the coaches were, they were, you know, they were really good to us. They were like, here's a program with you or for you. But, you know, if, if you're not feeling it, you know, don't, you don't have to do all of this. You don't have to, this is just for you to try to keep you ticking over. Who knows when we're going to be back. And that was really it. It was really the, the land of the unknown. And, um, yeah, so it, it was, it was really difficult. And I suppose by the time, yeah, I'd, I'd actually come to, to Italy and for the first few training sessions, I hadn't properly touched a ball, you know, in three or four months. Uh, there's only so much you can kind of do by yourself and, and against the wall and, and to find a good wall as well that you're not, uh, you know, just disrupting the neighbours. I think that was actually the toughest thing. It's really hard to find a good wall to, to, to kick a ball against um yeah so it it definitely was very very taxing on the body and and not only that I was coming into you know 35 36 37 degrees heat um and yeah and this poor Irish girl uh struggled (laughs) I I I could imagine I mean I um I spent a summer in Madrid once Mm -hmm. not a great idea very very warm (laughs) um but it crazy isn't it I mean this idea of you know moving to a new country where you don't necessarily have a good grasp of local language you're immersing yourself in a new culture it's a new team new players new people all in the middle of a pandemic I mean many people would consider that to be you know quite a brave move were you nervous or have after having lived abroad before was it is it something that you enjoy like arriving at a new place exploring and all that type of stuff uh yeah no to be to be really honest I was I was very very nervous um didn't know what I was what I was coming into um and that was in terms of the of the pandemic I think even you know switching from when I moved very briefly from England to Ireland um you know just before I knew before I knew uh where I was going you know, even even switching from England to Ireland, I just didn't know what to expect or what to see or or how the differences were. So coming to Italy, I and obviously being in one of the main countries in Europe that was that was hit the hardest. It was extremely scary, um, and and not knowing if the league was going to properly go ahead and and keep running or how they were going to operate. Um, so yeah, some really really kind of yeah tough tough and anxious moments, but you know, as soon as you kind of, exactly, as soon as you start meeting the girls and, and just trying to immerse yourself, there was some of the, you know, uh, foreign, some of the foreign girls uh, or the Stranieris, they're called here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that were able to really kind of help myself and a couple of the new girls, um, yeah, through a lot of things. And and then we were soon able to get some, some lessons uh, in Italian as well, which is, yeah, something that you really kind of have to have to grasp uh, quite quickly um, I'm not doing amazing but sure <laughs> listen you're putting I'm, the effort in exactly I'm understanding now so but I generally respond in English because <laughs> yeah, my Italian's a mess 
Well, listen, at least you can speak more Italian than me, I reckon. So, <laughs> you know what? Good on you. Um, what's been your favourite and maybe least favourite thing about living in Florence? Um, Probably, yeah, my favourite thing it's, is really just the city itself and it's... Um, yeah just how passionate it is like about about its food about its history um and it's it is it's just beautiful you just you just don't get tired of it um you know I'll I'll gladly walk into the city you know every couple of days and go to the same coffee spot sit in the same place on the wall the sun is shining it's going to be beautiful um you know just just along the river um yeah, and I suppose then what's what is is difficult. Ooh, um, yeah, I suppose just the actually the 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 traffic and the cars and the mopeds. Uh, you, you you fear every day, <laughs> especially <laughs> the, when you're on a bike. Yeah, I could imagine. When you're on a bike, yeah, the, I'm I'm the I'm the bottom of the pecking order of you know of what's on the road and. Uh, yeah they are mad and they just park anywhere they like I've I've seen some guy like just get angry at the car in front of him and start beeping at him he then <laughs> he then stopped and then opened the door and started going crazy at this guy road rage the extreme <laughs> actual road rage wow I mean you'd think in a pandemic like we don't need road rage right now let's just all be like peaceful oh no, no, it was it. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe my eyes, but I had to stop and stare. Like I couldn't not look at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, it's uh, you're really taking your life into your own hands, you know, when you're getting on the roads. To be honest, I can imagine. Um, now, when you heard that Fiorentina were interested, what made the move so appealing to you? Um, I think just the the curiosity of mm. Italy. Um, yeah. You know, they they had a really a really good and su- successful World Cup. Uh, you know, they really were the team to watch in, you know, the World Cup that was on almost two years ago now. Um, and, yeah, and then also the country itself. I'd never, I've never properly been to to Italy, just, you know, very briefly to Rome and very briefly to uh, to Milan. So, um, yeah, just really to find it curiosity. It's you know it's really known for its defending. It's obviously known for its love of football. And for me, we we also played against them. Um, Arsenal played against them um, in, the, in the Champions League. So it was there was just a lot of factors that were just really you know pulling me towards here. Um, and so when the opportunity came around, you know you, you kind of don't know when it's going to happen again. Um, you know, and, and yeah, do I wish that it's that it wasn't maybe during a pandemic? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, this is this is my it's one of my mom's favorite countries as well. So, you know, the fact that I can't get any visitors, yeah, um, has been that's and that's the other really really difficult thing, obviously, about about living in Florence and you know in such a beautiful place and the people that are closest to me and that I love. Um, yeah, don't really get to get to see it apart from when I'm posting nice pictures or. Getting, <laughs> getting them on a video call 
you know what I can definitely relate being in Berlin like so many people are excited mm. like oh I'm gonna come and visit you and it's like yeah the world had other plans <laughs> unfortunately I love a bit of photo envy though I love uploading a picture <laughs> and knowing that it's just gonna wind everybody up I live for yeah. it <laughs> yeah. every day I'm posting my laundry just out on the on the line <laughs> it's gonna be dry in in three or four hours great, meanwhile everyone's track. at home with the with the dryer or just hanging it yeah, on the radiator yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now, for people who don't know, um, you've played in, in quite a few different countries. Um, have you noticed any major differences in playing in the English League, the Swedish League, the Irish League, now the Italian League? What, have there been any differences? Um, yeah, there always, is, there always is differences. And I think that's even just in general uh, with, with time. Um, you know, women's football has really evolved and grown and, and modern football you know, really expects the yeah the, the goalkeepers and the and the defenders to be extremely good with their feet. Um, so yeah, so when I was when I was in Sweden, it was quite a, a yeah like a, a relaxed a relaxed pace sort of game. Um, but tactically, uh, it was it was really kind of thought out and you know in, in terms of your positioning and uh, yeah your approach to the other team. Um, and then going to, yeah, going to England, it was just a, a complete change of pace, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, both physical, um, physical and tactically. So the movement, you know, off the ball, the strength of of individual players, the speed of the play. Uh, yeah, where where you where you play on the pitch. Um, you know, obviously I was yeah like quite, I guess I'd be known for my heading, and I, you know I really enjoy that part of my game. Mm. Um, but yeah, that just that kind of hop- happened a lot less. Um, sometimes in England, obviously certain teams maybe, but yeah, you know, with with Arsenal, we were we were a team, you know, that play football on the ground. So again, just a uh, yeah, a completely different pace and yeah, the skill the skill and strength of players was was amazing. Um, and then yeah, and then coming to Italy, it's uh, you know, it really is kind of a. A, a striker's game as well you know I've got to I've had to learn how to kind of read body language a little bit more they are they are a bit softer and I'm sorry to <laughs> they, do, they do hit the deck easier Um so you do have to really learn how to you know to time your football and um yeah and each so the the pace can be again it's it's not as intense um as England but but it can be quite direct um yeah, so there's just been there's just been so much um, learning and adapting, and yeah, having to, having to change my 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 style of play, but that's you know that's the fun of it, and that's what I that's what I love about kind of going abroad as well. Exactly, I, I can imagine it must be, you know, like a, a bit of a stress, maybe a little bit of, of a nervous feeling that you're going to have to like move to somewhere else and adapt to this new kind of football. But I I guess on the other hand, it's great to have that experience you know under your belt and to be aware of you know how a different league plays and how a different country plays and what's expected of you and and stuff like that I mean you know back when you were playing in Sweden um the league there even back when you were playing I think it it's safe to say that it was quite professional especially in comparison to you know how things are in England for example um are you happy to see that other parts of Europe are starting to also ensure that this sport is as professional as possible? 
yeah, it's 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 great to see it now developing, and 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 even in England, you know, they've really taken a foothold in it. Even only the other day with the the Sky Sports and BBC, of course, you know, TV TV rights is is you know as big as you know as big as it gets in in terms of that. So, um, but yeah, and and in Sweden, that's the thing. Like Sweden was at, at that time so appealing to me because it was so professional. Um, you know, for for what it was, and and that really started off because you know the kids did football was actually a subject in school. You could actually sometimes pick a sport that would be a subject, and you'd get mm. graded on it, which is just, which to me is just incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, if if only I had that sort of, you know, that sort of stuff, and and still now not even in Ireland, you know, it's that's that's nowhere near the curriculum at all. Um, but yeah, so. Just watching now, like Italy, yeah, isn't becoming uh, professional for another like season or two. But again, everything is is very professional. There are, you know, some lower level things in terms of facilities, really, um, and I suppose just that little bit of security. But you know, the entire national team pretty much play in Italy, so there still is that that standard and those real like absolute quality quality players. Yeah, definitely. Um... I mean, previously, you, of course, made the move to Notts County Ladies and days before, you know, the start of your campaign at the club, it was announced that the women's team had folded. Um, I was just wondering, like, how did you deal with the situation like that? Because it must have been such a shock. And then going from such, you know, a devastating situation to getting on the phone with Arsenal, you know, those two experiences must have been, you know, like I say, a shock to the system, but then such a great feeling that a club like Arsenal, you know, that's going to be your next team. Yeah, it was a a whirlwind kind of few days and everything really just happened so quickly. Mm. Um, You know, we were just, there there had been... uh, or not even rumours of before, the previous owner of the club, you know, apparently left that kind of financial matters in a bit of a state and the the new owner, you know, had, had let on that he he had a grip of it and, you know, even started and signed a few new players to Notts County and, um, yeah, and obviously gave the security to the players that were already there. But yeah, we just got, we just got a message on a Thursday night to say, come into the offices on Friday, wow. training training's been cancelled and then we got told by yeah a couple of strangers that we'd never even met in the club you know the the owner didn't even come and and do it himself and no way that's wow yeah it was it was uh nasty and uh definitely kind of won't forget that and you know I think some of the some of the girls that have been there a while felt really sorry for me but I was like at the same time I've only been here a couple of months like you guys have settled like yeah you know yeah it's a new opportunity for me but you know some of them had had you know bought apartments and and had also started to you know do study on the outside and and move you know partners here there and everywhere so yeah it was really difficult but it was mad because by on Saturday my you know my my agent was telling me that Arsenal wanted me uh, training on Sunday wow um you know, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like, what? But also, that's not possible because I need to move and I need to do everything. Um, yeah, but but literally then by the Monday, that was it. I was in, in my Arsenal kit ready to go. Um, 
And I, you know, I was extremely lucky that my turnover was so quick. I think I was, I, the other girls kind of, yeah, got sorted out soon after that, but some really had to wait, you know, wait a couple of months. And um, yeah, so I was extremely lucky. So it was like really kind of hitting a bit, you know, a bit of the lowest of lows where you then kind of felt that you were, you were kind of jobless. You didn't know what, mm. were they going to be able to open up the window for us to transfer and um yeah but then and then yeah I just felt then on on cloud nine then come the Monday really I can imagine that is such a good bounce back like I I love Mm -hmm. that like and especially to go from like you say one set of emotions to then just like a completely different set of emotions it must have been amazing Mm -hmm. um and and I mean obviously during your time at Arsenal you must have you know, some great memories. Are there any that kind of stick out the most? Um, yeah, there was, yeah, there were so many good memories. And I do just like that season where we won the league is, you know, is, is obviously just a, um, yeah, a standout moment. It, it had really kind of been a while and, and to play kind of such a big part to play so many of the games, we really had a few struggles as well that season in terms of injuries. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that's, and something that, you know, that my my family and friends were just so proud of, you know, when you kind of look back and see that that you were wearing the Arsenal jersey and, and winning the league is is still, still, yeah, still a fair bit bizarre. And um, and yeah, and then I remember kind of in my first season, just a just a turning point of, you know, I was I'd been on the bench for a little bit. And yeah, there was just there was just a turning point where I came on for 20 or 25 minutes in a game and you know, when you're coming off at the end of the game where the girls are, you know, literally patting you on the back and saying, yeah. like, you know, brilliant game, like, you know, you, you, you changed the game when you came on, you know, that was, again, that was just another one of those moments where I was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can, I can do things here because it, it was a lot of pressure, you know, playing mm. for Arsenal and the expectations they have and the history they have, um, you know, for, for winning trophies. I, I can imagine and um, I, I don't play a sport, uh personally a bit of cross-country running maybe when I was younger but I've, I've not really played you know a team sport well definitely not to the level you're playing it say put it that way um <laughs> but uh that feeling of of people appreciating your work um I, I guess in any job really but to have people you know patting you on the back and saying you know th- that was brilliant I can imagine that must be a really nice feeling um and, and of course you know you've parted ways with Arsenal um was it more difficult to have to do in the middle of a pandemic because I guess you maybe like emotionally you don't get that kind of closure of you know you're saying goodbye to the fans the teammates the the club etc you don't really get that so did that make it harder yeah absolutely um yeah kind of getting that closure um and kind of and generally just kind of like finishing what I started um you know just really closing the chapter on on everything that it was because I had such a great time but it was just so yeah so abrupt when it ended Mm. and then dragged out and then again abruptly ended um you know so yeah that was it was extremely hard and and it's still I still feel like I need to get back there just to just to see some of the girls and and the coaches and and say goodbye you know that's or say hello and then say goodbye again you know because yeah. to I think personally for me it's it is it's so important um 
because yeah, the club gave me so much, and you know, it it, it was very, it was very. It's already, it's already tough leaving a club, but then not even getting to see some of your friends and your teammates um, before you do it is is very tough. Yeah, very tough. I can imagine, and hopefully. Once the world does get back to normal, you can you can go and you know do those things. Um, well, we've got all our fingers crossed for things getting back to normal soon. Um, now, you know your career, you've experienced a lot of change. You know, playing in different countries. You know, of course, not being close to you know your family in Ireland, etc. Do you think that this is maybe one of the things that people don't see that, despite you know being at the top of your game? you know, playing, you know, now, you know, playing for such, you know, like a big club in Europe, really, um, and playing football for some brilliant clubs over your career. Do you think that's one thing that people don't see is that women's football, there is a lot more uncertainty than people necessarily realise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it is, and it's, uh, people say it to me all the time, you know, you're, you're living the dream and what a you know what a job you have or you know don't, they don't even call it a job um you know you're you're playing football you're living the dream mm. and obviously i i absolutely agree with them this is it's the only thing i've ever wanted to do but it's a the commitment and sacrifice uh you know for for a woman in in football is yeah it's it's a lot more different you know we would i would say most female footballers would make more money doing you know just a, a day-to-day job yeah and um, they generally have to to leave their family and friends um you know and and so these commitments kind of people don't see there is there's this extra you know extra hard work there is always you know and but there, there's always criticism on both sides you know criticism in, in men's football and in women's but you know, just kind of, it's it's always a thing where people are letting on that, yeah, that we're not good enough. And it's, you know, it's just a load of crap, really. Um, but you do, but you're trying to then prove, you know, prove it to yourself and prove it to them that, mm. that you are, you know, worthy of, of wearing, you know, that club's jersey. Um, but yeah, so for, for me, the hardest really is sacrificing, you know, leaving my friends and family. You know, mm. it makes it makes me feel that I'm that I'm leaving them high and dry. You know, I'm I'm missing birthdays, I'm missing uh, weddings, I'm missing every special occasion. I'm missing when they are on cloud nine. I'm missing when they are you know at their lowest. Mm. Um, and that's that's again that's a really really difficult um, kind of thing kind of thing to process. And now obviously especially during a pandemic where yeah where you know my family and friends they definitely have kind of struggled sometimes and um yeah and and you just want to be there um mm. but but you can't you can't and yeah I was supposed to be a bridesmaid for my friend's wedding and again I couldn't go and oh god you know these and it's it's yeah it's just constantly that sort of commitment and I know a, like a lot of people do that but it is it's just it's just really tough and it's it's forever ongoing um mm. you know and, and thankfully though friends and family they are you know the most understanding about us but it doesn't mean yeah that it's uh that it doesn't really hurt yeah um, you know and yeah so the the sacrifice I, I wish I could just kind of 
be able to, you know, to pick up and bring my family here, bring my friends here, you know, if they want to, it's, it's, it's tough on relationships, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's everything, um, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a lot of sacrifice, but, you know, you, 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 yeah, you find, you know, a, a new, a new life somewhere else as well and, and different, um, yeah, a, a different way to, to look at things, but. Mm. Yeah, yeah de- definitely. And I, and I feel like, I guess for, for all, all footballers, you know, male and female, you, you have those, those struggles where you can't be there for certain things or you're missing out on things or you're having to make these massive sacrifices and transitions. But I guess I always feel like when I look at, I personally believe that, that women that are playing football, you know, I feel like there are a lot more sacrifices in in my personal opinion anyway. And I always feel like, you know, the amount of um, extra struggle there is in that, you know, men may move to whatever club, whatever club, but you know, they're the, the spotlights on them and everyone's hailing them and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think that necessarily over the years, I think things are getting better, which is great, but I don't think that female footballers get the respect that they deserve from people sometimes. And I think that's why a lot of things seem to go under the radar sometimes and people don't even realise like the sacrifices. Like I've spoke to, you know, female footballers over the years. There was um one footballer who was was playing for Spurs and, you know, she was having to do her job um drive I don't know however many miles to mm-hmm. then train and then go home and be with her family like there's just so much and I really do take my hat off to to all of you that are having to make these massive sacrifices to yeah I guess live a dream but to you know to be able to play football for us all to to watch and and admire and support I think it's a great thing really um mm-hmm. definitely um now, I read an interview where you spoke about, you know, like you were the only girl playing on the boys team when you were growing up. Nowadays, girls do have a lot more opportunities um, to play football within their own teams. Maybe not as many opportunities as I think we would all like. Um, there is still definitely work to be done. But what advice would you give to young girls that are, you know, developing their skills and they've got this desire to become a professional footballer? Because it's like you've just stated, it's it, it's not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that people maybe don't see. Yeah, I just think it's it's important to 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 love it and really, really enjoy it. Um, you know, when when I was growing up, it like for me it, it was the only thing I wanted to do. Mm. Um, you know, and, and nothing was going to kind of take me astray from that. So I feel like if you do have that sort of feeling, stick with it and you know, you will meet some, you know, playing playing on the boys team. You're going to meet some some boys you're playing at who are going to be a bit annoying and saying something. You're going to meet yeah. some parents who say it's not right. You're going to meet some coaches who said, yeah, it shouldn't be happening because the boys are afraid to tackle me. But, you know, I certainly wasn't afraid to tackle them. And I, <laughs> I, was, I was just as tall as some of them as well Good. going through most of it. And, yeah, so I feel like it's something just my parents I would say they're just they still even ask me now like well yeah like it's it's up to you as long as you're enjoying yourself and you think that it's that it's worth it you know go for it and Mm. and that's it um yeah so just and and just keep it is it is the cliche but just keep working hard at things you know I feel I definitely haven't been the most talented players and teams but can I maybe look back and say that I was one of the hardest working absolutely 
Um, exactly. you know, I gave, I gave, I gave my everything. And so if that doesn't get me enough to get a starting position or, or something else, then, then fair enough, because I've done my best. And then, yeah. And you, you then, yeah, look, look for another team or you, or you look for that next inspiration of what's going to take it up another level. Um, so yeah. So just to really, you know, don't, don't let people stand in your way and just work extremely hard to get where you want to be. Yeah, 100%. Um, now, I mean, this season for Fiorentina, um, it's been a season of challenges. Um, the club did lose a few names last summer, um, especially in defence. So it must have been a nice feeling knowing that you were coming into a team and slotting right into the defence as part of, you know, like a, a new cycle of players. Um, and like I say, there have been some challenges. Um, you know, the team are in sixth. Um, you've still got some big games coming against the likes of, you know, Roma, Milan, etc., are you confident that you guys can finish the season on a high note? And are you also feeling confident about next season already as the team will undoubtedly be back, you know, challenging to get one of those Champions League spots? Yeah, I just think it is. It's really important now it's to, to keep pushing on. You know, unfortunately, we don't, we don't have anything to play for, or saying mm. that, but we do absolutely have team pride and individual pride and individual performance um you know which which i think is is extremely important and as you say you've got to be able to work work towards something and if and if that goal is to to get ourselves ready for next season well then well then that's it mm-hmm. um yeah so so for me it's 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 about like yeah building learning and and enjoying it you know i don't want to finish the season thinking well, yeah, that that didn't finish how I wanted to do. We we should have done better at least now if we get a good run in, you know, of games and and good performances. You know, it's yes, of course you want to win it, but for us it is really down to uh to the performance as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's just about thinking forward and and trying to to do you know the best of yourself as well as an individual. You know, can I look back on towards the end of the season and and say that I've, again, that I've given 100%. And that's, you know, that's my plan. Yeah, definitely. It's so important. And, you know, fingers crossed you guys will be back up there, you know, fighting for one of those spots. Um, Now, you know, finally, off the pitch, I wanted to talk about, you're involved in this 2020. And for, for those who are not aware of it, could you maybe explain a little bit about what it is all about? Because I think it is, you know, a really important um, cause. Yeah, um, so it is, uh, 20 by 20 is a initiative to get more, uh, not only girls and women, to get everyone involved in, you know, girls and women's sports. Um, so, but it's, it, it can come from being obviously, yeah, your, your dad, your husband, your brother that can even help to volunteer in any way just to, just to boost the support of, mm. of girls, women's sport and, so the initiative was it, it started in 2018 and and then has has uh, ended now this year. So in 2020, but but for me, it's you know it, it really is ongoing and it's and it's really kind of snowball has a snowball effect, um you know to to so many other things. But uh, yeah, it's it was to increase um, participation, uh, media coverage, and. Uh, and spectators to games, so to to games, so um, or to sporting events, so increase that by twenty percent by the year twenty twenty, um, 
yeah and so there was just there was myself and four other ambassadors from from different sports uh that's that kind of were I suppose the, the faces of it but just to get a different variety of sports and be able to you know to hiss um you know of a different variety of people and and it and it was just huge. I really think there 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 weren't many people in Ireland that that didn't hear this or you know that didn't get on board. And and for me, it was it was just a, a massive su- success, and it got people talking, and it got people definitely more interested. And and again, yeah, even as I said, just just talking about women's sports, even if it's maybe not for you, it's then just finding another sport that that is for you that you enjoy to watch. Or yeah, if if you can volunteer or yeah just an, an extra you know media outlet newspaper you know news stations just um yeah just just talking about women in sport and and giving giving us the coverage you know that we deserve and and basically just creating role models for for kids to grow up because that was something i think that that all of us kind of ambassadors were lacking um, at mm. the time was, was the role model yeah, definitely. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I think it's just great, like you say, to get people talking about, you know, women in sport, you know, not just football, sport in general. Um, and I definitely agree that, you know, getting people talking about things is, is the best thing. And hopefully, you know, like you mentioned with the news um, coming out about the broadcasting deal for the Women's Super League, uh, the Italian League going professional, hopefully soon. Um and all these good things, I guess it must be it must be a good time uh, to be a woman in football. And I mean, you know, best of best of luck to uh, Fiorentina for the rest of your season. Um, hopefully we are going to see you back in the Champions League. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Angelina. So that's it for today's Women's Football Podcast. A big thank you, as always, to my guests, to Drew and to Megan. And of course, the brilliant Louise Quinn for joining us on the podcast. As always, if you do want to get in touch, it's podcast at onefootball.com. And do not forget, head to Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, etc., wherever you listen to your podcast, really, to listen to more of the One Football Podcast. Podcast.